that small voice inside of you that's telling you what you need to do is not easily heard when the whiny six-year-old in your brain is throwing a temper tantrum and telling you, No! I want the food now! Welcome to Stronger You Radio with Mike Dola. Join Mike and friends as they discuss issues to keep you healthy, fit, and on track to create a stronger you. Let's listen in now. Welcome back, Stronger You family. We have a special treat today. We have Robbie and Tanner who got together behind the scenes to talk about five strategies long-term members can use to keep progressing. These guys have been friends for a really long time, and there's some great chemistry on this episode. I'm sure you're going to love it, and I'm sorry, guys, but I sat this one out. Welcome back to another edition of Stronger You Radio. For those of you paying attention at home, you definitely know this is not Mike Dola. This is Tanner Bays. Uh, I have kicked Mike Dola out of Stronger You, and this is my show to run now. Kidding. Um, but today, this is my show to run, and so we're actually doing another blog review, and this time... Uh, we're talking about a blog that my good dear friend, Coach Robbie Farlow, put out that was specifically geared toward long-term Stronger You members, uh, the blog being five strategies that long-term members can use to keep progressing. So, uh, Robbie, welcome onto the show, my man. Uh, it's uh, good to be back on a podcast. And yeah? Yeah. On the other side, other side of things, I don't have to like come up with questions and do show notes and edit. Ah, it's so nice. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this. So for, for everyone (laughs) at home, uh, Robbie Farlow and I have known each other for a long time and Robbie used to run a podcast and part of our friendship actually blossomed from Robbie having me on this podcast. So it's kind of a funny turn of events now that like Robbie's not interviewing me. I am interviewing Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess to kind of kick this off, man, um, what I'd just kind of love to know is like, what was the impetus in putting this blog together? Like, you know, kind of taking care of long-term members. What, what kind of sparked that for you? You know, I was looking at things that we don't talk about and areas of stronger you that aren't covered. And I know we have people who have been on the program for years, you know, two, three years, four years, you know, I've seen comments and things in the Facebook group where people would say, Oh, like, I don't even need, you know, David as my coach or Jason or, or Sydney as my coach anymore. I, I know I can do this on my own, but I like having the accountability. And I think once you become someone who is really ingrained with that, it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Like, there's more to this than just counting macros and weighing and measuring. Like, how do you go live your life? We talk about maintenance, but we don't often talk about life after, you know, right. like, it's like, what would the fourth Lord of the Rings look like for Frodo? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we know because, well, I only know because I haven't read the books and I read wikis. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, until until episode seven came out, what happened with Luke Skywalker? We didn't know. We just assumed he did some cool stuff. And like, you know, um, so what do you do when you're done? We don't talk about that. Um, and as I've been working with clients through maintenance and coming up with some of those long-term goals, I was like, you know what? This is what I need to write. We don't have this on the site. It's not there. We don't necessarily talk about after maintenance, post-maintenance life. Yeah. Um, so that was where the idea sort of came from. You know, when I think whenever you pitched this to me, that was something that like immediately struck a chord was like, this is a kind of topic that like we actually kind of have bypassed. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about 
just what happens after the weight loss, like what happens in terms of maintaining it or, you know, like what I actually think is like kind of the genius behind this blog is the different strategies that people can use to go and, and really work on maintaining everything that they've done up to that point. Right. Because, you know, you really make this point and I, I think you kind of said it as well is that you do change into an entirely different person. Over the course of a transformation, you become somebody brand new. And at the same time, like once you kind of get done, it's it's a little weird, right? Like you're this brand new person, but like how do I go about maintaining this brand new person, right? And so what I loved about what you did is you put together like really five key awesome strategies in terms of like maintaining that weight loss, right? Number one being shift your focus to performance goals. So kind of talk to me about that. What do you mean? I know for a lot of Stronger You, the vast majority, uh, though I'm sure that will slowly be taken over by Peloton uh, as time continues to go, the vast majority of Stronger You is CrossFit. And I don't have a background in CrossFit. I'm bodybuilding for life. But even in, in that realm of things, I was thinking about sort of my own goals. Like, I got lean. Okay, cool. Once you get lean, well, you can eat for muscle gain, but... Well, now I can really focus on like getting strong. Like now yeah. I can focus on like performing better in the gym because I can add more food back in. I can really let my training take me to that right realm. And I think for a lot of people who do CrossFit, you know, you see things like, oh, I can do, you know, I'm deadlifting more. I feel better. I'm performing better. But they stay in that deficit long enough. And it's like, okay, well, now I don't really have the energy. Now I'm kind of tired and right. it's kind of suck. And then you add food back in and workouts start to get better. And it's like, okay, cool. Now that you're at maintenance, food's not the thing you need to focus on. You're really good with food. You've nailed that. Now shift it to performing in the gym because that extra food is going to help you be better. But now you are really focused on the things that you can control. We can't control the scale. We can't really control what our bodies want to do on certain days. But we can focus on what can I go in the gym and what can I do more? Can I increase my deadlift? I just got a text message from the amazing Leah Ecker like two minutes before I got on this. She just PR'd again a snatch. Right. Um, those are the things you want to chase. That's the performance. Can you add five more pounds? Good. Because by adding that five more pounds, now that you're in maintenance, you might put yourself at a point where your body's going to get stronger and you're actually going to need a little bit more food. Yeah. To kind of keep you pushing that performance goal. But the same thing with performance, now you have to really go, all right, well... I need to sleep better. Now I really need to focus on sleep. Like I've got the food thing. So now you can focus on sleep. Now you can focus on recovery. Now you can focus on maybe I, maybe I don't need to go to CrossFit six days a week because I kind of don't perform that well. I do better when I go three days a week or four days a week. Or I just read Mike Mincer's book and I wanted to throw it out the window because I was like, absolutely not. I'm not resting four to seven days between workouts, Mike. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah but you are the only person who ever got a perfect score in the Olympia. So maybe the guy knows what he's talking about, but those are the things you can focus on. Now, can you perform better in your sleep? Can you perform better in the gym? Can you perform better in some other way over something you have control over that isn't scale or waste related? What I love about that idea of like really thinking about performance goals, right? Is that it's, it's almost like, 
thinking about treating yourself as a holistic being again. If you've gone through a weight loss journey, so much of that focus right, has been on food and the scale or the measurements alongside them. And if we're focusing on something, obviously, like we kind of have to leave some other things behind for a little bit. But I was thinking about like, once somebody is getting into maintenance, and they're thinking about how can I maintain everything that I've done? The idea is almost like in the gym and in the in sleep and in recovery, right? It's like I have really, really taken care of this one pillar in my life, and really strengthened this pillar. Now let me bring all of the other pillars up to par with it. It's like, that's just such a deeply valuable way to look at taking care of yourself as a human, isn't it? Yeah. And you you said something there that you are now kind of going back to treating yourself like a holistic person. And maybe this is my experience with a lot of the clients that I've worked with. I think this is the first time you're able to treat yourself as a holistic person because for many years, you've done these fad diets, you've done this, you've done that. You've worked out six days a week, you've tried to eat clean, you've tried to only do this, you tried to only do that. Like Now you've seen what actually works, now you understand. Now you can actually really start treating yourself in a way that you've never treated yourself before. You have now right. created a new being and you're like, okay, well, I'm not the old Robbie, so the new Robbie needs to do this to not ever go back to the old Robbie. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And I think getting to that point definitely takes time, but being able to go, you know what? I'm good with food. I know what happens when I eat food that makes me feel great. That helps me perform best in the gym. And I know how to get back on track if I get off. Now I can focus on things like, can I run a 5k? Can I start climbing? Can I play baseball with my kids that I never thought I could do? You know, like, can I do these things? that improve the quality of my life that are not just dependent on, do I look really good with a shirt off and does the scale give me a number that I like to see? Yeah, it's like you get to start thinking about the things that are the whole reason we even enjoy living this life, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think your second point ties directly into that. Talking about like, so now maybe something else that we could do is shift our focus from quantity over quality to now, like maybe let's think more about like, how can we improve the quality of what we're eating compared to the actual quantity? Right. Can you talk a little bit about that? I love Mason. I love you, brew podcast guest back in the day. We became friends. Finally got to meet in real life last year. Uh, So that was kind of cool, but I see a lot of his recipes and it's, you know, it's like a lot of the recipes that you that I used to see back in the day when I was like hardcore paleo. And I was like, oh, my God, honey, we can make paleo cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, bro, they're still cupcakes. Yeah, it defeats, like, the, defeats the point. It's like those dudes who used to put really loud mufflers on their like 1987 Honda Civic. And I was like, just because it sounds cool doesn't make your car look any cooler. Um, <laughs> I think you should have put $600 down on a better car. Right. Um then again, Honda's engines last forever. So, but the quality over quantity thing, it's, it's one of those things that bugged me about some of Mason's recipes where I was like, dude, we, we need quality. Like just because we can make these cupcakes, does it mean we should? Mm-hmm. Because as awesome as those are to fit in, I think what people often forget is that, you know, the study I, I cited in that I know Doc Bach had given us a while ago states that like higher quality food, like whole foods your body has to burn more energy to break that down. So you're going to stay fuller longer when you make this cheesecake muffin. Yeah. It's delicious and you don't feel the guilt, but at the same time, 
just because you can do it, should you do it? And that was why that was it's fun. like it's why you have that Jeff Goldblum quote. <laughs> well, because like I had that quote because like as I was writing this article and my client who had mentioned this in a text, you know, about quality and quantity. At the same time, that article came out where it was like scientists believe they can actually build a dinosaur. From, and I was like, oh my god, Jurassic Park all over again. Yeah. And then that quote immediately popped in my head for this. And I think sometimes we do think too much about. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm so sorry, Halo Top. Uh, I love Halo Top. It's delicious. It's not as good as regular ice cream. I'm not going to lie. But just because I can eat an entire pint, I can eat an entire pint of that. But then I have to realize I can't eat an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's. Right. So though it's high in protein, is it still best? Like, is eating a whole pint of ice cream really good for the idea of like hunger cues? Like, you're not listening to your body. You're not doing the advanced things just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Well, and I think that's like the ultimate point, right? And really, whenever I think about what change ultimately looks like for a lot of people, especially whenever it comes to food related behaviors is that like at stronger you, if I think about like the evolution of a client from start to finish, I kind of think about like you come to us and you're going to unlearn everything you ever thought you knew about food you're going to go through this really meticulous process of learning how to track and keep on top of what you're eating. Right. And you're just getting your, your world rocked day in and day out. Cause you're like, wow, two tablespoons of peanut butter is only this big, you know? And at a certain point, once you've like become that new person and you've changed and you, you've adopted this new body, what actually starts to happen is you just get back to the simple things that we've all known we need to do from the time that we were like five years old and on. It's amazing that I know how to like track and plan a day and I can pick out like what six ounces of chicken breast looks like, but that's not wisdom. Like wisdom is knowing that like, just because there's a pint of Ben and Jerry sitting in my freezer right now. And just because I could a lot for that to be my breakfast for today does not mean that I should. Yeah. And it's like a part of that continual evolution of a counter, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, it's like one of those realizations that somebody comes to. I've done it where you can eat two pints of Ben and Jerry's in a day. Or, but it's not fun. It's not fun. It's not fun because, one, you have to have the macros to be able to do it. And, two, the rest of the day, you were legit eating broccoli and tilapia. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's that's the thing, right? Like it's I think you you quote a really great exchange between you and a client in this blog. And I won't read the whole thing, but the the first line I just think is is incredible, right? Because what they say is it's nice to have more macro-friendly hack for something like cakes or sweets or comfort and savory foods, but we should be using them as treats here and there. Like that to me is like whoever that person is, they get it. They innately understand the role that those foods are supposed to be playing. Yeah. That to me is like, okay, you won't struggle. Like you won't struggle to maintain this because you clearly like that line says it all. Treats here or there. And I think that's something we, what's so hard about this world is that someone can be really good at making a treat. And next thing you know, it's like, it's a business, you know, it's like, well, man, I do your thing and I'm down with that. Because ice cream shops are awesome, but at the same time, it's like, hmm, what happens when that treat becomes something you can do every day, you know? Right. Like, 
I mean, I can play video. Okay, I've been playing video games a lot every day. But, you know, like I think about being a kid, I was like, maybe my dad was right. Like, rainy days were the best days ever because that's all I could do was play video games. Right. And I played the crap out of them. I had to go outside and play. So, you know, I didn't stay in except on really, really hot summer days. 100 plus degree outside, you know. Yeah. You know. But I think that's that's important. Like this this client, and I won't use her name because I haven't asked, but knowing that she can use these things as treats here or there is really going to help her long term. Knowing that, hey, you know what? I don't need to treat myself to buffalo mac and cheese because I had it last week. Like I can get this any day that I want it. And I think that's really hard in our world because our food environment is so massively eat it all now, eat this. Yes. So even to that same point, right? Like you kind of take us into a next strategy. And this is actually like, this may be my second favorite one off of this blog. The idea that like macros aren't the only way. Um, And you got really heavy into Fleetwood Mac in this one, which I really appreciated. (laughs) Uh, I did. And no one has yet noticed the amazing Easter egg that I put in at the end. Last paragraph. (laughs) Um, I thought it was amazing. I was really proud of myself for the idea and then executing said idea. Um, But we'll go, let's go into that before I like, you know, talk. Yeah. Well, so no, but like what I think is really important here is obviously it's stronger you, right? Like we want you to be tracking your calories and macronutrients. That's like a big thing that, that this program is built off of. But even then, like we're very clear about the fact that like, tracking macros is a means to an end tracking macros isn't the end right right and you take it like a step further and hit us with a couple of different like newer strategies that like might be worth talking worth trying out right so they kind of walk us through like epap and the clock so epap I kind of stole from Spencer Nadolsky. i'm not gonna lie spencer's uh, a big friend of su so i think that's yeah. okay yeah yeah because I had, I had an article I had to write last year and I needed to ask a question about medicine that can have an impact on the scale. And he was like, it's in my book. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, Spencer. You want me to go buy your book? Fine, I'll go buy your book. But he had a thing in there about his strategy of eat protein at every meal. And I was like, well, I got to find a way to like tweak this and make it my own thing. And EPAP is where it came out. Eat protein and produce or eat produce and protein at every meal. Yeah. And honestly, if you can do that, Because here's the thing, guys. I want everyone who's listening to realize this. I might blow your mind here. Breakfast food is not breakfast food. There is nothing in the American Constitution or in the laws of America or the world that say you have to eat eggs and bacon and sausage and cereal. You legit can eat a turkey sandwich. Like, whatever meal you want. You can eat breakfast at dinner. It plays with my mind. I can't do it. Like, my my brain freaks out. I don't know why, but you can have breakfast at lunch. Yeah. If you want an omelet at lunch, do your thing. Like it's America freedom. Do your thing. Eat whatever you want. But if you can make sure that at every meal you have produce and protein in all three meals, I'm 95% certain you will never want a snack because you're going to be full. I'm 95% certain that you will keep weight off long-term that you'll feel better, you'll perform better in the gym, and you won't be stressed out. I mean, you'll be stressed out because life is always going to have stresses. But being around other people who have snacks and things, you'll be like, eh, I'm not hungry because I like had a big bowl of Brussels sprouts and shredded pork for breakfast. Yeah. Even if you want to have traditional breakfast, 
Dude, spinach, mushrooms, peppers, onions, load it up in your omelet and just have a big omelet, a big old veggie omelet with maybe like a little bit of bacon, you know? Yeah. Uh, Whenever I look at this one and think about what this says, I think if I were to distill this down, the idea of eating protein and produce at every meal really just is like, eat like an adult at every meal. Eat like we all know that we probably should. Nobody has ever been under this like guise that having like a spinach salad with chicken is like the thing that is causing the obesity epidemic, right? So if you can find ways to like load up a plate with vegetables and also make sure that there's a protein source there, like the way that I think about this is it just kind of helps create a foolproof structure. That's hard to screw up. Yeah. It's a structure that still allows you to like put some potatoes or maybe like your carb source is some bread. So you make a big old, you know, sandwich with chicken breast and you've got some spinach on top of it, but then you've got some peppers and, uh, and some other things on the side. Uh, you can do it, you know, for dinner, you can have a steak and then, you know, some veggies, broccoli, peppers, onions. Um, and that's, you know, sort of, I don't even know where the clock method came from, but I had this idea where I was like a plate. So like a plate, if like half your plate is vegetables, you're really good. Oh my God, a plate kind of looks like a clock. Mm-hmm. Well, I just tell people to go from 12 to six. On the clock. On the clock with veggies. And then 12 to four with protein, like that's 80, 85% of your meal. Like yep. you're not, unless you have a really fatty cut of beef, the macros of that before you even add in carbs or fats, is going to be pretty low. It's going to be high protein and really, really healthy vegetables. And then from four to six, you can add in some rice. You can add in avocado or some cream sauce if you want to like dip your chicken in it. But four to six is such a small window. You, it's you, two hours. <laughs> yeah, it's two hours. Like I don't think you could use that the clock method and really overconsume. Unless your idea of four to six was a bowl of butter and then you melted butter. Like okay, fine, but. Yeah, you but know. like that's, you know, obviously that's like an, an extreme example, right? Because. Right. And if like, you're doing that, you can't have bread because you've already taken up a fat, like fat is what you chose to have there. So you're not dipping bread and butter. The way that I think about the clock method or eat produce and protein at every meal, right? Is that that to me is especially just one of those strategies that like, if you're somebody who is on the road a lot, that's your move. Like That's the move. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of clients who travel and travel is, is never easy. But the number one thing I will tell anyone, if you eat out, the customer is usually always right. Sometimes that's not always the case, like not all the time. But if you go to a restaurant, they're going to have vegetables. They're going to have meat. So you can say, can I just have chicken and steamed broccoli? They will make that for you. Do not think that you're a pain in the butt, that the cook is talking bad about you. No, the cook is talking bad about the guy who was adamant that his steak was medium rare and it was like slightly medium and he sent it back. Exactly. And and was snotty to the waitress. Like that's who the cook is talking about. He's not talking about the person who wants chicken and steamed broccoli. So remember, tell them I want double the broccoli, no rice, substitute the broccoli and a grilled chicken breast. But always, always order that and see if you can do it. Don't do appetizers. You don't need it. You don't need the drinks. Maybe you do. I don't know. Those are fun things to add in, but they're not necessary things to add in, right? Whereas like having a couple of fallback strategies that you use to guide every single decision, 
that's just like a foolproof way to ensure that at the very least, you're not seriously screwing up. Yeah. And that's it, right? And, you know, so like even kind of along those lines, having strategies that help you do stay on track, like something else that you kind of touched on in your next point is just the idea of like doing more advanced stuff. Um, Like you list specifically intermittent fasting, carb cycling, and just like eyeballing things, right? But, you know, I think you and I could both like preach from the mountaintops about like how much we enjoy at times. The idea of just not eating food is <laughs> weird as, as weird as that is, right? It's like a tool like intermittent fasting, right? Is actually it's nothing more than just like skipping breakfast or like skipping dinner or deciding like I'm not going to eat for my travel day. Like you're a big proponent of like you don't eat on travel days, correct? Uh, it depends on the travel. I usually skip breakfast and then try, because uh, I'm usually always in a layover, I try and not have something until my first layover. Gotcha. Or I specifically skip until noon, unless I'm traveling like West Coast and then I'm three hours behind. I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to eat like it's East Coast. Yeah, I try not to eat on travel days only because uh, airport food is just, there's never anything good nope. except for the Chipotle at the Atlanta airport, which is in terminal C. It's C. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know where that is. I know where to go for the Chipotle. Um, but dude, if you're flying out of Burlington, Vermont, there's like one snack stand If yeah. you're in Wilmington, North Carolina. Like there's nothing, right? Like, I don't even have the time want the coffee that's at these places. I don't want to eat the food there. Cause it's gross. It's disgusting. I don't feel good. I would rather skip it. Yeah. I'd rather just get on the plane and be like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Right. So I think therein lies like the actual real point here for anybody listening is that everybody is always welcome to like figure out their own strategy, right? As right. they should. You know, you should always like if we're to encourage anything, it's that we want to encourage your willingness to try things and then your willingness to adopt that approach, right? For Robbie and I both, just like what that actually tends to look like is on days that we're like catching a flight, we just know that like it's harder to like make a really good choice in an airport. And so even like walking in with the intention of knowing that, all right, cool, I'm not like I'm, I'm just not getting food here. Like that in itself is a boundary that then just saves you the mental stress of like trying to think through what in the world I'm going to do. How am I going to plan this into my day? How am I going to fit this in my destination whenever I land? Especially if like it's a business trip and you've got like a work dinner or something like that. It just yeah. simply eliminates a lot of the potential pitfalls from a decision-making standpoint. Yeah. And, You're, and, and it, I think one of the reasons why, and for my clients that travel, I really do try to ask them to play with at least pushing breakfast back to like maybe 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and not maybe fasting till till noon. And there are all the fasting protocols I went over in the article. I like the 16-8 just because I like the idea of like lunch at noon and then you eat till 8 p.m. Yeah. But you're already going to be stressed walking into the airport. Dude, security lines at most airports, like if it's a big airport and you don't have TSA pre-check or you don't have clear Dude, you're going to be in line for a while. And yeah. sometimes with crap that happens in the world, those lines get longer. And it's like, oh, God, I got to take my shoes off. I got to do like, yep. it's just a very stressful place. So if you can remove one stress, you're going to set yourself up for success later on. Yeah. And having like a fasting protocol that you can like stick with, right? And that like you are comfortable with is actually like just a really, really easy way 
to help remind yourself that like hunger is not actually an emergency. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a thing. And even more than that, I don't want to be too general here, but I tend to think that anybody that's listening to this can typically understand that like, we're all fortunate enough to know that the hunger we're experiencing is only going to be temporary. Uh, We will be able to find food. (laughs) We live in a a food-rich environment, and food deserts are absolutely a thing, right? But anybody paying attention to what they're eating and, like, they're tracking meticulously, like we talk about at SU, right? You know that you're going to be able to find food. Yeah. So along those same lines, like, something I I do want to touch on in this point really quick is the idea of carb cycling. We don't have to go way into depth on it, right? But like, just kind of give me like a brief overview on where you think that kind of fits in with people and like how that can work <sighs> for, for certain individuals. This one is one of those weird things because it's one of the first things I did when I kind of got into the whole like health and fitness thing. You know, I did carb cycling following uh, a book that I read back in the day. And for me being new, I thought it was like this magical thing. Like I thought it was like, like there's magic to it. Yeah. As the years went on, I realized like really what you're doing is taking a seven day total and you're just manipulating your workout days and your rest days for some people who might want to do it. And again, this may be bro science. I have not looked at a legitimate article on this. I just, it's anecdotal. There are some people who believe and there may be, I don't know. I got to look at research evidence that like in terms of building muscle, it can sort of help in terms of keeping you a bit leaner through that process. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it may just be a bunch of bros being bros, but I do know that on the days that I'm training and then I'm in the gym, I look forward to those days because my carbs are higher. And I also, yeah, I'm eating more carbs, but at the same time, like I'm more fueled for my workouts. My rest days are like, I'm walking. I'm not really doing anything. So my fats are high on those days. And those days are really hard for me. They're really hard because if I were to be at an average, like if I had a seven day flat calorie number or macros, my fat would probably be around like 70 and I would be okay. And even then that would be kind of pushing hard it. for me. Yeah. It'd be kind of pushing yeah. it. I love fatty things. Like I love bacon. I love blue cheese. But there are some days I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to cook these vegetables in two tablespoons of oil because I don't really know how else. I don't want three tablespoons of peanut butter because then I'm just not going to be able to speak for six hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for someone who is trying to be a little more loose, maybe if you're not counting macros, but you eat pretty much the same standard things, you could carb cycle and on the days that you work out, have more carbs pre-workout and then a little bit post-workout. And then on your rest days, you're not eating carbs because you don't need that energy. You don't need to fuel the activity that you're doing. And you might find that it works really well for you. Of course, I reached out to Matt because Matt wrote a book on it that I don't actually think is for sale anymore. But I knew he was the guy because like you write a book on something, I'm going to like reach out. You're the guy. Yeah. Yeah, You're the guy. It does mean you have to plan more. And I will say that is a bit of a pain in the butt, especially for meal planning if you have kids or a family because it's like, no, honey, can't have that tonight. Because it's a rest day, and I've only got 80 grams of carbs, and that entire pint of cottage cheese that I have to eat to reach my protein goals takes up 30 grams of that, so we can't have any potatoes. Yeah, but, you know, so 
this is the point. This whole point sits inside the idea of like doing more advanced things. And yeah. you have to earn the right to be advanced. And you have to cultivate the ability to, okay, now I can plan for certain days that I'm going to eat significantly more than others. And on other days, like my fat intake will be significantly higher. Those are things that you don't just get to try out. Those are skills and strategies that are earned over the course of time because you've like shown the diligence and consistency to like actually just kind of hold steady for a while. Right. And you know, on top of that too, like I do think another population that like the idea of carb cycling could potentially be useful is people who just live a really kind of a nuts social life. If you're somebody who's like a little bit of a socialite and you like to go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it just makes sense to plan certain days that, your intake is going to be higher because that suddenly allows you to have less stress around what you're doing to go out, et cetera. Right? Like it's, it's just an easier way to live your life. But again, you don't get to just automatically try that out. If you can't balance on a bicycle with both your hands, you know, on the handlebars, you're not going to be able to balance it with your hands off. Like yeah. Learning to do that is terrifying and it takes time. Like yeah. I wouldn't even do it now because I haven't ridden a bike in a long time. It's something that comes with practice. And I don't think it's something someone should do off the bat. And to be honest of the five, this was the one that I almost, I really almost wanted to cut. Like I didn't want to put it in here because I don't think it's necessary. I really yeah. think that it's one of those things that like, listen, I'm all about ease. And the only reason I carb cycle is because I pay someone to tell me what to do. And that's what they tell me to do. So right. I'm going to do what someone tells me to do. But I think for most people, it's not necessary. You can try it. Definitely try it. I, I'm, I'm all about experimenting and trying. Right. Um, but it's one of those things that I think for people who, who are a bit more active, you know, it might be good because it does help you keep carbs pretty high. And then on your rest days, you can keep them pretty low. But it's an advanced thing that you've got to be really good with the basics. You've got to be really good at meal planning, eating the yeah. same things because – I, I will tell you, uh, a couple of clients who have done carb cycling, there is always that day where someone gets sick and you're like, oh no, today was a workout day and I've already eaten 250 grams of carbs. Yep. Well, yeah, crap happens. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. like, finish your day. It's understanding that like this is definitely a niche strategy that applies to like a very small subset of the population, right? Yeah. It, this is not something that a lot of people should be implementing or should even like stress or think about implementing. Yeah. So we got one more point and like, this is my favorite one out of this whole blog um, is the idea of just practicing more listening. I I'll be honest, like whenever you initially sent this over to me uh, and I was kind of like looking through your subheadings and, and seeing like what kind of topics you were really looking to touch on. I, I saw this and was like, where are you trying to take this? <laughs> like, this seems to be so far out of the other things that we're talking about. But it's just so deeply important, especially kind of how you lay it out. So talk to us a little bit about it. What do you mean by the idea of listening? So part of this kind of comes from living with my wife, who has been working through intuitive eating things. And a lot of conversations we've had about listening to your body and understanding things. And knowing the difference between like what your body is actually saying and like what the cranky six-year-old inside of you is trying to get you to do. Yeah. Look, we all know we need to be eating more vegetables. We know that. I think everyone would tell you, look, I know 
that eating at McDonald's every day is not good for me. I know that eating this is not like we inherently know these things. We're just living in a world that is Microsoft Windows 10, but our brains are still on Windows 95. Ooh, that was good. Like, our operating <laughs> that, that system is still Windows 95. Like, fun fact, the video game Doom is now smaller in megabyte size, okay? The entire game could be hosted on basically most web pages today. Most web pages are larger than the data that it took to program one of the first computer games. That's insane. Yeah. You know, and when we think about our bodies, we have been living for thousands of years and our DNA still works on that old MS-DOS, but the world is on a different operating system. Right. And we can't figure it out. Yeah. So we know what we need to do. We just don't do it. But once you get to a place where you're like, listen, I've gone through this. I have worked on, you know, conquering a lot of the things. Like, how many clients do we have? How many people listening right now have worked with Stronger You and been like, man, on this journey, I had this, like, mental revelation of, like, I don't need this thing in my life. I don't need this. I don't know why I ever acted that way. Or, oh, my God, like, I stress eat. I never realized I'm an emotional eater. And you overcome those things. So now you overcome that, and you can really listen to your true self. And I think... This is the one thing that you need to carry through the rest of your life. Maybe you don't track macros. Maybe you don't use the clock method. But maybe the thing you focus on long-term is really listening to your own body. Being like, you know what? I ate like crap at this wedding, and I feel like crap. So I'm going to eat things that make me feel good tomorrow Yeah. and the next day. And then you start to do that. Yeah, and you just you become to, more aware. You become more aware. And it's not easy. Like, this is legitimately the hardest thing to do. But I think intention has to come before intuition. And you've got to be intent on what you're doing before you can really listen to yourself. Because the voice, that small voice inside of you that's telling you what you need to do is not easily heard when the whiny six-year-old in your brain is throwing a temper tantrum and telling you, no, I want the food now. Like, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, it's hard to do, but, but it's, it's a skill. It's, it's, a, it's a skill, a skill it, it, that gets it, cultivated. I don't have kids, but I watch my niece and my nephew and it's really interesting to watch them eat. And like, there's a whole box of cookies. They don't eat the whole box of cookies. Like my niece is like, she has two or three and she's done. She goes back to what she was doing. Like, right. How does that change? Where did like, it's crazy. Like, how do we, how do we lose that? How do we lose that ability to just have a couple cookies and be okay? Yeah. As adults, we're like, no, I need to eat all the Oreos. Well, and I think that's like, that's the real value of this whole point is that like, it's just developing that skill of being able to like actually understand what your body is trying to tell you and, and being aware of what those signals say. Right. And the whole idea behind tracking isn't that, like, yes, tracking is helpful because it helps you teach you how to, like, budget and account for a day. But more than that, it just kind of helps you become more informed about the signals that you are getting from your body, right? And, yeah. And then, in turn, like, the, I think the point that you're touching on here is learning to interpret and understand those signals is just this continual process. It's this thing that just keeps going on and on and on. Right. And it, it, it never actually stops. Yeah. So listen, man, I think I've kept you on long enough. I've eaten up enough of your day. 
really, I thought this one was, was an outstanding read. More than that, I thought that it was incredible because it was for a group of our member base that we just don't talk to enough and that we, we talk a lot about maintenance, right? But we don't talk about like some of the minutia in maintenance and some of the strategies that can be used. And I think you nailed this, man. I think, yeah, you know, this was I- outstanding. To be honest, these are a lot of the things that I work with my clients who are in maintenance on is giving them things like, I only want you to track breakfast. The rest Mm -hmm. of the day, I don't want you to track, but I want you to eyeball. I want you to to eat slow. I want you to pay attention to hunger cues. I want you to do all those things. Or, hey, for the next week, your challenge, when you go grocery shopping, is whole foods only. I want you to eat whole foods only and stop. Even if you're short on macros, I want you to stop if you're full. Don't finish it because I want you to get a sense of where your body feels full, what feels best, and be able to listen to those things because, look, anyone who is on Team McAwesome, you want to be on Team McAwesome for the rest of your life, I'm totally cool with it. We'll hang out until uh, one of us croaks. I'm cool with that. But my goal is to give you the tools so that you can go build the awesome life that you want to have without constantly having to have me by your side. Right. Um, and I think, especially the last part, just knowing that you can listen to yourself and ask yourself these questions and maybe feel like a weirdo because you're having conversations in your head, but we all do it every day anyways, Yep, is a really powerful tool for anyone who is on Stronger You right now. Start using, start asking yourself, am I really hungry or am I just stressed out because I'm an accountant and it's tax season? No, well, yeah, I'm just stressed out. Am I really hungry because my kids are throwing a timber tantrum? No. Why am I letting their energy affect me? Those are those small things that can help. And then, of course, long term, they're going to help you. So, You nailed it. Uh, Stronger You Fam, if you haven't given this one a read, I think it's absolutely worth going and checking out on the blog. Thank you guys so much for, for tuning in here and for you know, giving us a listen. And also thank you so much for hanging out with me as I like take over for Mike Dola and, uh, you know, like I said, kick him out. <laughs> um, no, in all reality, Mike Dolo, he will be back. And uh, Mike and I will be running Stronger You Radio again next week. But for now, guys, go check out the blog from Robbie. Go give it a read and start just thinking about, you know, new ways that we can keep adopting a lot of these principles that Robbie talked about into our day-to-day life. So, uh, Robbie, if anybody's looking to connect with you, stay in touch with you, whatever, where can they find you? Instagram, uh, SideQuest Fitness, uh, giant video game nerd. So that's that's where that came from. And then uh, Facebook, you can find me in the group, uh, Robbie Farlow. Perfect. So Rob, my man, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, dude. Thank you. All right, fam. Talk to you later. So that's it, guys. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Stronger You Radio with our special guest, Robbie and Tanner, as always. This episode was awesome because I think it really shows you guys what you can do in the future. You don't have to always be perfect. You don't have to always track. There are so many different things you can do to progress long term. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Please follow us on Instagram at Stronger You. Stronger You Radio is a broadcast wellness production powered by StrongerYouFit.com. Content copyright Stronger You. Executive producer Frank Sardella. Thanks for listening to Stronger You Radio. For more information on the podcast, visit StrongerYouPodcast.com.